Batman is currently dominating the DC Comics universe right now with Dark Knight's Metal, but I don't want to talk about that just now. I want to talk about part one of Batman the Dark Prince Charming. Welcome to Geek This. My name is Dave Clements. I am your host in this journey through geek pop culture. Um, specifically today, we're going to be talking about a graphic novel that came out recently that I read and I was intrigued by just because I saw it um, uh, talked about a little bit uh, previewed, I guess you would say, on Twitter. So um, as I said in the cold opener, Scott Snyder and James Tynion IV are dominating DC Comics right now um, with the Dark Knight's Metal storyline. There's a whole huge arc that is going on right now, and I am trying to keep up with it. But here's the thing. As much as I love reading current comic books and current issues, it becomes super super overwhelming. There's so many tie-ins and crossovers that you have to keep up with. And, um, a year or, or a couple years ago, David Hunt and I actually talked about this same issue with Marvel comics when they did infinity. So it's been a few years. Um, you can go back to that episode, which I will link in the show notes at geekthispodcast.com slash 73. Um, but we talked about that and just how, um, yeah, overwhelming it is to have so many comic books that, um, sure you don't have to read all of them, but it's good to read all of them to get the complete full story. And instead of talking about dark Knight's metal now, I'm going to wait until the main run is over and I have time to process all of the issues and look at the overall overarching story there. But I still wanted to talk about Batman because there have actually been a couple of different books that have come out that have intrigued me that I'm planning on talking about here on the podcast. Um, the first, uh, is this one, obviously, um, Batman, the dark Prince charming. And the other one is Sean Murphy's Batman, the white knight. Um, they're, they're both interesting to me because they are non-canon books. Um, I've seen other reviewers call them, um, elseworld uh, stories. And I guess they could be that I just call them non-canon. They, they don't have to follow any particular story that has been set up or, or, you know, universe or anything like that. They don't have to really fact check with, um, 15 other authors. So the reason I went with the dark Prince charming first was, uh, it actually was the most intriguing to me. Um, out of this and white knight. Um, also this is a two parter, whereas white knight is a six part story. So I figured, you know, when then we get the first three, I'll go ahead and talk about, um, the first half and then talk about that later. But we're a few minutes in and I'm not getting to my point here. Okay. So, um, I'm going to be spoiling parts of this book, major parts, and it's really hard to 
talk about this book without spoiling anything. There is a key plot point that mm, if if you talk about it, it spoils a little bit of what's going on. Um, and there's not really a good way to walk around that. So here's how I'm going to do this. I'm actually going to go ahead and read kind of the press um, synopsis for you. That way, um, maybe it piques your interest and you'll want to continue listening or you'll want to go and pick this book up and read it before you listen. Um, so let's go ahead and, and do that. So this says, what secret connection do both Batman and the Joker share with a strange and mysterious young girl? After she's kidnapped by the Joker, Batman must plunge deep into the underworld of Gotham City and race against time to find out where she's being held. The stakes are high, and for Batman, it's personal. That sounds like a book I'd want to read, and it is. It was. I read it. I enjoyed it. Um, so that right there, I'm just going to tell you that's that's a very simple review. So this has my recommendation if you want to go and and snag a copy of this book. Um, it is a $13 hardback um, graphic novel uh, and is one of two um, parts, I guess. So just keep that in mind. Um, it's it's a really interesting story. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about who made this book. I'm I'm more and more interested in who is making the books that I'm reading. Um, I've spent so much time worried about the characters that I don't pay any attention to the, the creators, the, the writers, the artists, people like that, you know, um, and they're super important. We don't get these characters without, um, good writers and good artists. So the dark Prince charming is actually written and, um, drawn by Enrico Marini, who is an Italian artist. I've never heard of this guy before, um, but apparently he did a couple of French um, comic books, and that's kind of where his claim to fame is. But considering I'm American and don't read French comics, I've never read these, but I might hunt them down because when you start reading this book, when you open that cover and you see the first few panels on that first page, it's really interesting and beautiful artwork. Um, and I, I've, I'm very particular about the artwork in comic books. There are comics that are probably very good from a story standpoint that I don't read because the art is not great. It's, it's a bad problem that I have maybe. Um, so yeah, Enrico Marini did this entire book and it's, it's beautiful. And I think he did a great job writing it. Now, I don't know if he wrote it in Italian or maybe he wrote it in French and it was interpreted. I'm not real sure because from what I've read of, from other reviewers of this book was, this is actually a co-production with, um, what I believe is the French DC comics branch. Um, I, failed to write down exactly what the name of that company is. Um, but I don't speak French anyway. So, um, yeah. Um, if you've heard of Enrico Marini, please, um, leave a comment in the show notes and, and let me know 
if you've read his stuff, if you think it's interesting, if you've seen his artwork, please agree with me that it is really, really beautiful. So that's about all I know about the artist. All right. So let's, um, let's kind of dive into the book slowly. If you can dive slowly, let's wade into this book. Okay. So from the get go, it's really easy to see that this is a Batman Joker story. I mean, even the, the, the synopsis explains that this is a Batman Joker story. Um, for me, it's really nice to see the Joker back in such a prominent place in a story. Uh, he's been gone in mainstream comics for a while. Um, Scott Snyder kind of tucked him away somewhere to, to bring out um, spoiler in dark Knight's metal. And I've missed the Joker. I, I enjoy the dynamic that Batman and Joker have. And this book has done a really good job of, of drumming that excitement up of these two characters. So it's a treat and it, it, it sucks you in the art and the idea of Batman and Joker going head to head and Batman becoming a detective again. That's, incredibly important to me as a Batman fan. So, um, let's talk about the storyline here. I, I gave you the official synopsis and this is where the spoilers begin because I can't say anything else really about the plot itself without spoiling things. I know I've said that already. So, um, Something that is really interesting to me is that when you start this story out, before you even get to the actual content and the plot of of what's going on, you can automatically see that Enrico Marini has um, made these characters his own, but also made sure that they are familiar to you. And it's not just a skin that he plastered over something, if, if that makes sense. Uh the, the, the story opens with the Joker walking into um, the sewer where this little girl is lost. You know, she's crying for her mom and he walks in and he's talking to her. And for me, I immediately started getting the creeps because this feels like smart, classic, um, not maniacal Joker to me. There, there's something more refined about it. Not, not, I don't know what to compare it to. I mean, first of all, he's not maniacally laughing at everything. You don't get the, the panels of nothing but ha ha's, you know, it's, there's something more subtle about the character that he is in this book and I find it fascinating. And that's what you get within the first couple of pages and panels really of this book. So from the get go, you know that something is going on involving the Joker and this girl. And you assume he's going to kill her, um, which that was the part that gave me chills 
was that he would intentionally kill, you know, a, a eight, nine year old girl. That's terrifying to me uh, as a father because I have an eight or nine year old girl. So, um, you know, he, he, he threatens her and then it cuts to this, this scene of Wayne Manor and this now iconic purple box wrapped in green ribbon shows up and Alfred does his checks. He makes sure that everything is okay and, um, gives the box to Bruce and Bruce knows who this package is from. We all know it's from the Joker and he makes a mention to himself, not allowed that the Joker is alive and he's out there and he knows now for me reading this, that makes it sound like possibly Joker knows that Bruce is Batman. And of course, we don't know what's in this box. Come to find out what has happened is a woman has come forward and said that, you know, eight or nine years ago, she slept with Bruce Wayne and she got pregnant and now they have a child together. So she's suing him for a hundred million dollars and a paternity test and a public um, announcement um, public admission, I guess is what you'd call that, uh, from Bruce saying, this is my child. And, and it's super dramatic. You know, this isn't judge Judy stuff. It's pretty dramatic. And meanwhile, while this is going on, Joker decides, cause he sees it on TV while he's after he's kind of celebrated Harley's birthday party, he wants to go ahead and capitalize on this, which again feeds into this idea that maybe just maybe he knows who Batman really is. So of, of course um, the mother shows up at Wayne Manor and confronts Bruce and, and says, you know, you have to pay me this money. She is your daughter. And Bruce being the detective that he is sees needle tracks on her arms and immediately thinks, nah, there's no way this woman's a junkie and essentially slams the door in her face and saying that he's not going to pay any amount of money to this lady. Um, because there's no proof. And, uh, yeah, again, Joker steps in and he ends up killing the mother or, Actually, I'm not real sure on that. I do believe he kills the mother and the lawyer that's representing this case um, by crashing into a car that they're driving away from Wayne Manor. And they're they're in Gotham at this time. But he slams into the car and kills basically everybody except for the daughter. The daughter is kidnapped and taken away to the sewer. You find out that this is the girl that is, that is in the sewer. Um. Now, it's all supposition at this point in time in the book. You don't know for sure if Bruce really is the father, um, and they don't clarify it 100% in this first part. The only thing that is possibly 
a an answer is Alfred um, telling Bruce, um, I'm afraid you won't like the results. That's about it. And um, and of course, you know, this seems to confirm that this might actually be the case because Bruce as Batman just kind of goes crazy like he he is thrown into this rage and decides I'm going to find the Joker wherever he's hiding and I'm going to take him down and I'm going to rescue this girl. And so that leads him to Arkham, then to Killer Croc's hideout, just looking for Joker. And he gets to this point where he starts to believe that maybe, just maybe, he wants to kill Killer Croc, if at all possible. And you see where he's, this this issue is breaking him down. You see um, humanity in Batman. And I think that is a fascinating part of this story that you're seeing him not be robotic. Like he currently is like, he knows everything. I mean, he is back to being a detective and vulnerable as a human being. And that is a perfect Batman for me. I think that's a perfect Batman. So uh, the book ends with Joker hiding in this sewer with the little girl who we discover is named Alina. And, uh, of course he hasn't killed her. Um, he's actually bought pizza for her, um, and uses this, uh, straight edge, straight edge razor that he had at the beginning of the book and decides to cut pizza with it because, you know, the Joker's still crazy even though he doesn't look as crazy, if that makes any sense. And, of course, the book ends with a cliffhanger with the Joker scheming, coming up with a plan, and uh, it it's a good setup for the next book. Uh, it leaves you with a lot of questions. So that's the, that's the story I've given away the spoilers for the most part. Um, also there are some nice little nods. Um, commissioner Gordon is in the book. Catwoman is in the book and, uh, it's really interesting to see their reactions to all of this news and how they interact with this version of Batman. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I want to comment on the way that Marini wrote this story. Now he didn't do it in any like fascinating, like mind blowing way. Um, but he never gave himself away. Um, he didn't give the story away. You weren't really guessing. I mean, still by the end of this book, I'm still not totally sure that Bruce is the father. I think it would be very interesting if it's actually the Joker that is the father. I don't know. I think it would be interesting in that Bruce is, is enraged because this man has kidnapped his own daughter and might kill his own daughter, you know, for publicity or whatever crazy reason that the Joker has. That's just a theory. I don't know for sure. And we'll find out in part two. Um, 
But he tells this story in a non-linear way, and it's not hard to follow. Um, but he he writes it very cinematically, um, and this would actually be a really interesting um, movie or an animated film. I would love to see DC come after this and do it justice. Um, I've not honestly been impressed with hardly any of the Batman animated films. Um, that's a totally different episode though. Uh, so yeah, you, you see some other characters, you see how they interact with Batman and Joker. You even get to see Harley Quinn. Um, a big problem that I had, and I give, it wasn't big. It was a small thing. Um, but, uh, Marini likes to draw scantily clad women, which, okay. We're talking comic books here. I get it. Um, but when you've got underwear hanging out the back of the pants for some characters, I mean, there's a scene where Catwoman is in a nighty and you know, it shows quite a bit. It's, I guess it's their prerogative. Um, it doesn't really ruin the story, but it's something you should probably know about if, uh, if you're going to be reading it. Um, I had this conversation with, uh, somebody not too long ago that comic books really aren't for kids. Um, so just keep that in mind before you go and hand this off to somebody, be sure to read it first and make sure that they're okay with that. Um, or that, you know, it's not going to bother them too much. Um, I guess if I'm completely honest about this book, the thing that drew me in the most was at the end of this book was how real that this world felt. Um, it, it felt cinematic, but it also felt grounded in reality. Like if we actually had superheroes, this might be something that we would be following on the news. Um, it's, it's very interesting, but, and it's also a little reminiscent of the feel of, um, Frank Miller's the dark Knight. Um, or dark. Yeah. Dark Knight returns. I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. So, so don't beat me up about it. Uh, yeah. And, and the, the, the world feels real and it feels human. If there's humanness to the characters and, um, I mean, I've talked about that a little bit. Joker's a little bit over the top and he's always going to be that way, but he's not maniacally laughing, um, which that's all you see anymore. Like that is his thing. Um, but Marini pulls the reins back a little bit and goes, whoa, he's still crazy. And just because he's Joker doesn't mean he has to laugh all the time. Um, Batman is broken and Bruce is broken and again, he's not the robot that we're used to seeing. And, and that's good to see. He's a detective in this book. It's so enjoyable for me. And some of the dialogue is maybe not quite what you want it to be. Maybe it's a little, uh, not robotic, but it doesn't flow naturally, but that could be also a translating kind of issue. Uh, but overall, this is a really, really good read and definitely worth your time and worth your money. Um, if, if you're going to p- 
pick up a book, um, honestly, I'd have to say pick this up and wait for the Dark Knight's Metal trade to come out. Um, maybe even wait for the White Knight trade to come out um, and pick both the first and the second parts of this book up. Um, I am hoping that part two is just as good as part one. <sighs> All right. That is going to do it for this episode of geek. This again, my name is Dave Clements. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Um, thank you all for your support. And, um, I will talk to you in the next episode, which will be next week. And we may go back into Batman. We may be talking about Thor. We might be talking about Justice League. I can't guarantee anything. It just depends on the plans. Also, we might be getting the band back together. All right, that's going to do it again. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to check out the show notes, for this episode, don't forget to go to geekthispodcast.com slash 73. There should be a link in your podcatcher, um, you know, whatever podcast app you're using. Um, see if there's a link in there and click that. Check out the show notes and uh, leave a comment. Also, while you're at it, if you could also leave a review for the podcast, that gives me a little bit more encouragement to keep the show going. And it also lets me know what you like and don't like about the podcast. Okay. All right. That's enough salesy, salesy stuff. Although I'm not really asking you to buy anything. Um, I will talk to you guys next week.